Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to the Stuff About Money podcast. I am Eric Garcia, your host for today. And I have a guest on today, Phil Blancato. Phil is a two-time guest. Phil is the president and CEO of Ladenburg Fowlman Asset Management. I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of $5 billion-ish under management. And he's also the, the chief market strategist for Osaic, oversees half a trillion. I don't know. I'm making numbers up. Does that sound about right? All right, six hundred billion. Then we we advise six hundred six hundred billion, so a little bit north of half uh, a trillion. So I want to say you know a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today in the stock market. Phil, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, buddy? Uh, man, I'm good. I'm good. By the I don't go with the gang knows this. You're going to be here in New York City. We, we're going to have some fun in New York when you get up there. But I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm headed. I'm headed up here. I hope it's so cold. We're, we're doing a college trip. I hope it's so cold that my daughter gets scared away from from New York. <laughs> but uh, but Phil, last time you're on the show. It was, it was January 2022, okay? The S&P closed at the end of January. At it, I think I, we're, we're kind of market highs. It was 47.96. Yesterday, and we're recording on the 11th of January. Yesterday, it closed at 47.83. Inflation was somewhere 7, 7.5%, I think. And uh, we're, we're somewhere around 35 or 3.25%, somewhere, give or take, somewhere right around there today. The employment rate was 4% back in January 2022. Today, it's around 3.7. No one could spell chat GPT. And <laughs> the Georgia Bulldogs were the college national champions. Yes, they were. Unfortunately. Some things have changed and some things haven't changed. All right. So we're going to talk about market themes for 2024. That That's kind of your, your wheelhouse. That's your forte. And I want to I want our listeners to kind of know what should we be looking for in 2024. But first thing, I have to ask you, okay, because you know, for me, I'm looking at this. I think this is going to have a, it's probably going to have some impact on the economy. Um, Nick Saban is retiring yeah. as coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah. What impact is that going to have on the U.S. economy? Oh, uh, that's a good <laughs> question. That, I, it's got to do something, right? It's got to yeah, move the needle because uh, you think about. The ability for a team like that to draw TV money in, you know, if they fail and they're not as strong, then suddenly the NCAA that may not have its poster team that people love to root for, and you get less money rolling into there. That means there's less money coming out of the uh, into college sports, and then the impact is maybe college sports aren't as exciting. It's a big deal. These money. How many? How many LSU fans, Georgia Bulldog fans? Auburn fans are just feeling top of the world right now. And they're just going to go out and spend a lot of money and drive the economy. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I'll give you an example. Next year, Georgia plays Alabama in Alabama. I would bet the price of those tickets will be 20% cheaper, if not more, because Nick, Nick Saban's not going to be there because the idea that 
you know, they're not the team they were. To beat the Nick Saban Alabama team by Georgia in Georgia would be a moment of a lifetime. Now, different coach. Okay. It's kind of like Ohio State. Look at Ohio State. The fanfare around them, the money they used to generate today versus their current coach. That's a, that's, that's a thing. That's a, well, people have people have more money to, to to spend on other goods and services in, in the economy. But sure. I mean, they'll spend it on a cruise or on a flight or somewhere some more fun. Yeah, yeah. We, we need people to keep spending. What, 70% of our uh, GDP is, uh, is our listeners spending their money. It's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. But anyway, I, I want to talk about themes for, for 2024. 2023 was a weird year. What? It was a good year for our portfolios, right? But like every conversation I had with people, it was like, I'm losing money. I'm like, no, you're not. But it feels that way. I feel like I'm losing money, but they didn't. The irony is, I think what the hardest part about 23 and that will, and it'll be this way for 24 as well, which is, you know, the reset higher inflation. You've been in a scenario where inflation has come back down to almost normal levels. Today, they came, we saw inflation come out roughly around still 4%, you know, depending on which metric you look at. It's still double where we were, but it's not the 10% that we saw for a better part of two years in a row. So the reset higher inflation, your home worth 30% more and not going back down, your car. 15% more, not going back down. Food, so it's still 10, 15% higher. Mm-hmm. What we've accepted is that inflation isn't going higher anymore, at least not at a significant rate. But what we're having a tough time with is this reset higher with making people think the economy is really bad. And truth be told, the economy is not that bad. I mean, people have a good job. They're employed. They got a heck of a raise the last three years. Wages are still higher than the rate of inflation. So it's not terrible. But when it came to markets, you looked at it and you go, scratching my head again, my butt kicked in 2022 in mm-hmm. bonds. Bonds clobbered you in 22. You've never lost that money in bonds ever. Yep. In 23, it took till October to really make any money. I mean, we were up, but if you didn't own seven stocks or just a blanket S&P that the bulk of the money was from those seven stocks, then you didn't make any money. So it was a very unusual market. And by the way, you lost money in bonds all the way till the second week of October when it finally turned around and turned positive for the year. Mm. So you're right. It was a really difficult market. It's all because of one reason. The Federals are, you know, at the end of the day, the, the Fed actions are what's impacting inflation, interest rates, the ability for stock market to go higher or lower, the ability for bond market to go higher or lower. And that is because when you have high levels of interest rates, it makes it, co- makes it expensive for companies to borrow, meaning they make less money, means their stock price doesn't go higher. The idea that the Fed was going to cut rates in the in the in, into this year, late this year, early next year, spurred the stock market significantly higher because again, companies will make more money because they're spending less on borrowing money to grow their businesses. Bond market, same thing. When interest rates go down, bond prices go up. Go up. Yeah. It's real simple. If you walk into a bank, a bank. Let's use an analogy for folks out there. You bought a CD today, a one-year CD, probably earning four percent. If you go into that bank, probably by September. That one year CD is going to earn 3%. That'll be the issue that day. So it's a point level. Which bond would you rather have? Well, you'd rather have the one earning 4%. So what happens is more people try to buy the one earning 4%, which pushes that price higher because it's got more demand. Back to my bananas. You know, a lot of people chasing bonds with, with just a, oh, the higher percent rates pushes their prices higher. And that's why when interest rates go lower, bond prices go. So bananas, if you want to know that reference right there, go listen to the first episode that uh, Phil was on. He talked about selling bananas, what, in, in the middle of the street, right, to cars as as a kid, making some, some Yeah, well, and some that change. was my inflation analogy, which is yeah. the pandemic because bananas were hard to get on the shelf. You had a thousand people trying to buy bananas. There was only one bunch on the shelf, so the price of bananas skyrocketed. Yep. Now we've got a thousand bananas, only 10 people trying to buy them, so the prices come back down. Not all the way back to where it was, but it's come back down. 
So you, you said a lot right there. I want to I want to kind of parse out a couple pieces because I think these are these are themes for for twenty twenty four. You started talking about inflation, and you talked about certain things that the prices are sticking. They're not going to come back down. We, we won't see wages probably. In fact, you said this on that podcast. You said wages will be the only thing that'll stick. Probably, we're seeing some other things stick. So this is a new normal in terms of prices. Is that is that what you're saying? Is that kind of what you think? And it's going to take years. It'll take two three years. We have to grow the size of the economy. To accept these prices where they are, this is not a, this is not something the Federal Reserve can fix. The only way to see the housing market go back to 2018 prices is if we had one an oversupply, which today we have an undersupply of new homes and existing. Right. No one wants to sell a home, and they don't want to build a home because they're noted they're quite expensive to build. And while there's some demand, not enough to really push builders to build. And then, so to, to really change the narrative, the Fed would have to break the economy, where mm-hmm. suddenly people are having to sell their homes to survive. And that doesn't seem like it's in the cards. So you're looking at a scenario where this years to accept higher prices on homes, meaning you've made more money, we've inflated the size of the economy, we've grown bigger, and you've got used to a home that's 30% more, or a car that's 20% more a year, bananas, or 10% more. And that's the, that's the hard part and why it's going to take a long time for us to get there. So what, what you're saying this year might feel funky like last year. What happens this year is the Fed is slowly backing out of the way. There is this one, there's a couple of good things here. To finally go back to what uh, being in a portfolio that's going to take advantage of what markets we're in, not just the S&P. I think that's what we're going to an actively managed market. The six months of this year, the first six months of this year are going to be tough. Why? It goes back to a cereal analogy I may have used. If you walk into the food store and you look at the three shelves of, of food, the most expensive item is at your eye level. Because that's what you look That's easy for you to see. Then as you look down, the prices get cheaper. It's the same thing in the market today. We have a handful of stocks that are really expensive that everybody wants. And the more, the reason why the, the food stores put those at eye level because it's the one everybody wants, the one they make the most money for. Well, what's going to happen now is as the market begins to normalize, and we're not buying just seven names, those items that are in the middle shelf, the lower shelf, smaller cap stocks, middle cap stocks are going to do really well. So we have the first six months of really tough volatility. And the reason why is because stocks are not cheap. The, the, the That middle, that top shelf, where all the expensive cereal is, that's where all the money is. And those stocks are not cheap. Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, Netflix have all made a lot of money in video. Mm-hmm. And those are a very expensive stocks. So for them to push higher is unlikely. And that's why we trade sideways. But once the Federal Reserve cuts interest rates, and I don't think it happens to mid to the end of the year, but such forecasting that they're going to do it, you'll see a slowing down of the economy. Then those cheaper names where there's offer, where there's better value will come into play and you'll see the stock market broaden down. So my one theme for this year is this is a year where you can begin to add small cap stocks to your portfolio and take real advantage of they're cheaper, they have great value, and they represent a growing economy. Now we're not there yet. And, you, and buying them right now would be probably a bit early, but I think sometime in that second quarter or that third quarter, when we get when we're sure that we got into a soft landing or we had a recession and we're on our way out of it, there's your number one, your first theme of the year is it's not about the magnificent seven this year. It's about all the other stocks that I think are going to do well. And again, the magnificent seven that you're talking about, you you mentioned some of them, Microsoft, Apple, uh, Nvidia, Amazon, Google, Facebook, or Meta. I'm sorry, Meta, and um, I'm missing one. But Nvidia, the- oh Tesla. Yeah, Tesla, Tesla. And those, what's interesting is, and they're always that always seems to be the case though. There's always top companies, top names that drive the S&P. But this year or 2023, it seems like it was almost uh, a little bit uh, uh, magnified, right? Those seven companies. I did 3% of the return last year. That means the other 493 were down for the year. 
The last couple of weeks here got a little bit better, but by and large, they represent the entire return. So that's a very narrow market, very risky. What if one of them goes bad? Then more than likely it's going to affect the other ones and they're all going to go down. Now, these oddly enough, they're not the tech, tech names of old. Back in the day, when interest rates went higher, these tech names got clobbered. But today, these tech companies make a lot of money. NVIDIA makes a lot of money. Microsoft, Apple, Meta, Google make a lot of money. And for that reason, they act even a bit defensive. So I'm not suggesting you sell them, but take some profits and pivot to where you get a better upside in a normal economic environment. And I think that's where we're heading. A normal, modest growth, fed out of the way, no more cutting, no more easing. You know, sometime in the next 12 to 18 months, we're back to a, a 1990 to 1998 moment where it's a relatively normal market without excess in lending, excess in debt, excess in spending. Okay, normalcy. So, um, By the way, you know what normal returns of the stock market are? 8%. Eight. What's normal returns of the bond market? 5%. No, a balance put your account's going to give you... Probably six or six percent. That's normal, everybody. That's what it's been for the bulk of the stock market history. And that's a good because you're not taking a lot of risk to do it. It doesn't mean 25 like last year. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. You bring up a really good point. So normal, normal, we we can also maybe exchange boring. We don't want <laughs> we don't want the the ups and the downs. That just that just messes messes with our emotions. Even as advisors, we're like, oh, come on, right? When, we, when we're tracking the market. So so normal, and and here's what's what's interesting is I think markets like 2023. When we sit down and we look at it, we see our returns we're really good, really excited. We forget that that's not normal. 2023, 20, 26, 30 percent market returns are not normal. Negative 10 returns are not normal. The way to make money in the stock market is isn't to get lucky and be in the year it goes up 26 percent. It's to be in the year it makes 26%, to be in the year it makes negative 10, to be in the year it makes eight, to be in the year it's flat. It's the way to make money in the stock market is to stay invested according to your purpose, right? Whatever you're trying to, whatever your goal is, is stay invested for, for the long term. And, and it's important to be in a portfolio that is going to encourage, encourage and um, um, it's going to encourage you to stay invested. Easy answer, easy way to summarize it. Risk plus time equals reward. That's all you have to know, everybody. The less time you have, the less risk you take, which tends to be more insurance, fixed income, conservative product. The more time you have, the more reward, but more time you need. Yeah. In, in my hope, some of the themes that we're talking about, my hope is that as our listeners, as our investors understand some of these things that are going to happen, they may be a little bit better equipped to handle the, the negative news and even the positive news, because the positive news messes with us, right? We talked about seven names driving the stock market. How many people just want to go invest in those seven names right now. And you're telling me, eh, maybe, yeah, they'll probably still go up, but we're not going to see the 70, 80, 90% returns like we saw um, last year, possibly, right? So it might not be a good idea to go chase them. You won't have any money left over to buy anything else. Standing in the market, you go buy those names. They're expensive. They're very high price stocks. And I don't think they have nearly as much upside simply because you have a scenario where they've had one incredible run, justifiably in some cases, but too much. Yeah. Let's go on to my second theme. Stock market in general. I think we're in the year positive. Uh, I think we'll have another positive year. First off, election years in general, we have average rates of return of 12% going back to the 60s. There's only one year that we've lost money in election year. That was 2008, going back to the 60s. So the election year is usually very positive. Beyond that, whenever the Federal Reserve stops hiking interest rates, and it seems to have stopped, or begins to cut, we get positive equity market returns, anywhere from 8 to 14%. So history is a great place to begin in markets. History is on your side here. It's a chance to really use history to your advantage. But beyond that, 
If the market breadth widens, like I think, we have a tough first six months. We probably, I don't know, everybody. And every single year, we have three times we lose at least 5% of the market. One time, we lose at least 10%. And usually one time of 15 every 18 months. So a nice correction, we call them a brush fire. An 8 10% correction is a great opportunity to jump in. I think we get one of those in those first six months. And we still real signs of a slowdown, uh, whether it's the labor market or just in general. There's a chance to jump into the market and enjoy a nice ride higher. But even still, net-net, I think we've done up 8 to eight to 10% because of this broadening out into other areas of the market once the coast is clear around the elections, which we know it's going to be a very turbulent election season, and the coast is clear around whether or not the Fed is done or not dead. done. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Two things you said there, super fascinating. Number one, in our end of the year um, letter that we sent to our clients in our email, there are two, two, there were three things we referenced, two specific to what you just said. Number one, I actually used your slide from when you presented, I think we were in Phoenix on this on the uh, election year stock market returns. That slide, it kind of caught me by surprise that the average year in during a election or the election year average SP return is 12%. That's fascinating. That's where we're, that's where we find ourselves right now. Good news, bad news, good candidates, bad candidates, Republican candidates, Democratic candidates, 12% average. And then also you mentioned intra-year returns. So it is absolutely 100% normal. And this is probably a lot of our conversation throughout the year when we're talking to our clients deals with, hey, yeah, I know the market's off. Like the third quarter of 2023 was funky, right? We're having conversations when people get their, their statements I can go to cash and get 5%. Yeah, you can go to cash and get 5%. You can, but what happens when the market returns? Don't forget intra-year market returns. That the market on average could drop. Heck, I think I think it's even greater than 10% is the average intra-year market return. But yeah, even in those- Average lie this year, we were we roared up in June. Yeah. We sold off wildly all over the bottom of September, giving back. At that point, we were up almost 9, 20%. We went down to 6 Wow. So significant drop. And we yeah. finished 25. You know what yeah. they pay, pay pay a guy like me for, Eric? And I mean, look, you're you're the boss here. If everyone's listening in, Eric's the boss. He's the one you go to. He writes your plan. He knows what you need. He's your he's your guide to what's the best plan for you. But a guy like me behind the scenes, my job, get the emotions out of it. My book, don't panic. You know, and why I have that out there is so often people panic about what's happening on a day to day, but what's the latest thing they saw yeah. on TV that's got them spooked or their phone or something they read. What's happening in markets has got them really concerned. Our job is get the emotions out of the way and focus on the facts. The facts tell us how to, for the long term, how to invest properly by not being as emotional about the money. Yeah, a lot of times emotions. And it, it really, this goes with a lot of decisions and a lot of actions that we take. If we put emotions in front and let the emotion drive the action, oftentimes it's not the best action for us to take. So that's the challenge. That's the hard The hard part about investing is indeed removing the emotion and and staying um, staying the core. That's why we talk about purpose. What's the purpose of your money, right? If you tell me the purpose of your money is twenty years from now when you retire, what the stock market does in one year 
is is fairly immaterial to a 20-year period. You say it, but you're spot on. Yeah. It's actually more material for us to change strategies because our emotions are are, are forcing us to change, change strategies. We know there's data that shows that that is actually has a, a, a more negative material impact to your portfolio than riding out market market cycles. Right. And you can make changes to your portfolio because sometimes, look, GE went out of business. Apple went out of business. GM's gone out of business. We know names we grew up with don't always win. So yes, we got to stay on top of what's happening in the portfolio, but you want to keep the core system what you need long term. Yeah. So that's your second. Your second is just kind of the stock market in general. It's going to be a good year. You have, you have a third theme for and the what's, year? What's going to fuel the market beyond just, I think, other stocks that haven't had the same success? Inflation. That inflation will fall faster than expected. And there's a couple of reasons. You hit on it early on. 70% of the U.S. economy is driven by the consumer. Of that money, believe it or not, about 61% is with folks who are older, over the age of 65. They will keep the consumer, keep the economy chugging along by spending because they're retired and they're enjoying themselves. They've made some money. The rest of the economy, folks are being more careful. We're already seeing credit card debt come down. We're seeing people being more careful about their spending. The money that we saved them, the pandemic is now gone. So what's happened is because of the the manufacturing side of the world, the United States has really come down. We're seeing we're we're we're, we're seeing prices really come down faster than we expected. Now it's just a matter of the service sector, meaning meaning restaurants and so on, and even wages, which were up at six percent, are now down to four. So I think inflation is going to fall faster than expected. And what that means is it's a big win for the bond market and the stock market in the second half of the year. It means the Federal Reserve does cut rates at some point late this year or early next year. And believe it or not, I think they cut rates not because they're worried about a, a, a recession. They're going to cut rates because they don't want the current federal funds rate or current rate of what, what you get paid to put your money to the bank mm-hmm. to be significantly higher than the rate of inflation. Rate of inflation right now is 4 3.8%. If I'm right, that falls to 3% this year. And they don't they won't keep interest rates up at five, they'll cut them back down to three. So they match and they should match. We call that the natural rate, the rate of inflation versus what you can earn at a bank. It's basically supposed to be flat. And for that, I think inflation falls faster. By the way, things like technology are incredibly deflationary. Think about all the things your phone does. How much stuff don't you buy? Because your phone, you don't buy a camera, you don't buy a video recorder, you don't buy a, you know, a whole host, think of all the stuff, you don't buy a calculator and so on. So that's deflationary. Demographics globally are different. Think of China. China is really contracting because they're getting old really rapidly. Those things bring costs down. And as the rest of the world really kind of turns on their manufacturing to 100%, which has really already happened, and, and, and we're, supply chain issues are gone, there's some issues in the, in the Red Sea right now, but assume that's temporary, then suddenly we should see a real contraction. And look at oil. Oil was up at $100 a barrel. Now it's down to, call it 75 a barrel. And it's because the United States now produces more oil today than it ever has before, more natural gas than it has before. So we fixed a lot of these good, good shipping. Shipping was 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 twenty thousand dollars a container to get it overseas. Now it's back to two thousand. Guess what it was pre pandemic? Two thousand. So I guess my point is, I think you'll see inflation fall pretty quickly, and that's it. That's the that's what's going to drive the bond market and the stock market in the second half of the year. You'll see more of that data as we go through this first half. Let's go back to China really quick. One of the slides that you that you showed and you spoke about back in October when you presented, you talked about and this 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 stat actually caught me by surprise. The amount of goods that we import overseas that we import more from Mexico than we do from China now. Yeah, so there's there's this almost like well, China can bring us to our knees. China can can wreck us, but we're not as Talk a little bit about our dependence on on China, because I know that that's a theme and that's a story that's kind of ever present. It seems 
Uh, mm-hmm. What's China doing? What's China doing? Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, the, the, some of this is administrations, and I don't play politics. I don't care. But we kind of went anti-China, I would say. Beginnings of it were end of Obama, certainly much more so into, into Trump, and to a degree continued under Biden, with this idea that because so much of our supply chain was reliant on them, we saw it during the pandemic, we made a concerted effort to move that as a, as a company, at a, as a company, the United States as a company. So now we've diversified into India and certainly into Mexico and into Canada. And that trend is certainly going to continue onshoring. And it's a lot of it's because of technology has made a profound difference. Then you mix in the, the China-Taiwan situation from a geopolitical standpoint, not great. Russia-Ukraine, not great. So there's an effort to disenfranchise China and then go one further. They, they have a population that's contracting. They, 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 they have a billion, 400 million people, and the bulk of them are getting the age of 60 at the same time. And guess what? They don't want to have babies anymore. They have, I mean, they're forcing parents that, to have kids, and they're saying no. So China is in a really difficult place, and I think they're gonna, that's going to continue. Projections right now that suggest that by 2100, they'll only have 600 million or less people in their country. They're going to split their population in half. Wow. Never be the economic engine again that they once were. And by the way, when people tell you that they own our debt, that's such nonsense. You own our debt. We own our debt. 70% of outstanding debt is owned by Americans, not the Chinese. It's so silly. It's, you can then have people to say, hey, they buy our debt. Guess what? We buy our debt. And yeah. so does Japan and so does Europe. So that's yeah. just a waste of I, I think I think it's so important to hear what you just said about China because we have these narratives and these stories that that might have been the case years ago, or, or they might not have been the case, but that's what we're operating under, right? There's this bias because for some reason that that data, when we heard it, had the biggest impact on us, and we're still operating under under this false narrative. So you mentioned three themes so far. I think there's two more, and I know that you have to get – I know you made your stop here on the Stuff About Money podcast first, but you have you have a, a date at Fox Business News. I'm just – you met with me first. I'll combine what, them together. I'll combine yeah, them. What, are, what are our next two themes? Four or five are one, we're already in a rolling recession, which two, makes it good for the bond market. And here's what I mean by that. If you look at our manufacturing sector, we have contracted in manufacturing for 11 months in a row, as soon as a full year. And it's because we're buying less stuff. Coming out of the pandemic, we bought a bunch of stuff. And now we're not buying it. Now we're spending money, restaurants, hotels, look at cruise lines, completely packed. That's server side. And that that look, that we think that'll slow down first half of next year, but the good side's already slowing down. So that means GDP in the United States falls back, guess what? Back to average, back to 2%. So we'll have a 2% year in 2024, which means the bond market should do really well because if we fall back to average and our rolling recession from the manufacturing side spills over to the service side, just slows us down to where we are flat or contract a bit, then the Federal Reserve cuts interest rates. As I mentioned already, bond, bonds do really quite well. We go down to a, a, a kind of quite a soft landing where we're growing at 0% or half of 1% for a quarter or two. We get past the noisy election season. We get stock market prices fair again. The bond market is the benefactor of, of the Fed cutting interest rates. And we end up in a year where a balanced portfolio will get you probably something like 6 or 7%. All right. So you've, you've, you've said a lot of stuff here on, on this call so far. And, and the temptation is, you know, Phil said that the first six months are going to be hard. So maybe we should just go park our money in cash for a season and wait for that 10% drawback before we jump into small caps and bonds, because that's where the action is going to be. All right. Um, as investors, it's not that easy. Right? No, we can forecast all day long. And this is why we preach diversify your portfolio, right? And stay invested. 
Well, that's a great point. And here, here's my, my point on, on that. That's where you hire folks like us who tweak our portfolio. So I agree. Uh, let's take advantage of what the market's going to give us. What is it we can do that's going to allow us to really be smart about what's happening in the marketplace? So for us, when you hire Eric, who can manage his own money very, very well, or someone like ourselves that we help him with that, we're going to make changes to the portfolio that one don't cost you anything. You know, that's very important that we're making changes that are that, that are free. And two, we're going to look at it from the standpoint that if we can be active in the portfolio, not every single day, but we can be active in the portfolio when we see something change. So our, our mission here, be fully invested for now. These are things we think are going to happen. And more than likely, there's a darn good chance we're going to, they would happen. That's what we're talking about. Them. But ultimately, you have a scenario where let's let to see how things play out before we make a make a make a change that could be really detrimental to our to our opportunity to outperform. So in other words, stay invested, be smart about not not overthinking this. You don't want to make major changes now, but there are things we've already done based on this. For example, we've already added to the length of time it takes for the bonds to mature in your portfolio. Why? Because the longer the bond, the better price return we're going to get. So some of this we've already done. We've already increased our bond exposure. So if we get a recession, well, guess what? We'll have protection, the portfolio from bonds and types of investments that actually don't lose as much money when the markets go down. Small caps, yeah, that's something we'll consider later in the year. So a lot of what we've talked about is money managers we're already doing. And it's yeah. a slow process. You want to take small bites of the apple to build a better portfolio. You don't want to make big bets because that's when you get it wrong. So let me just qualify a couple of things that, that Phil said, just so we keep the compliance folks happy. It is not free for us to manage money. But when we trade within your portfolio based on our fee structure, those changes do not cost. There's no additional fees for us to trade. If you are invested, and this is true of the portfolios that we manage as well as the ones that that y'all manage, that's a move that we made last year. We went from shorter duration bonds or, or, or um, to longer duration bonds that so we can hold on to those higher rates a little bit longer, but that's going to be contingent upon the particular portfolios you're in. Oh my gosh, Phil, I sound like I sound like compliance over here. Let me uh, doing a good job. I got a little ahead of myself. So you're right. No, no, no. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, that, all we, supposed to be with doesn't we don't charge you extra cost per trading. That's the right. Yeah. Well, one of the things I love talking about you is you're like a permable. You're like the markets are going to go up. The markets are going to go up, and they always do go up, right? You're 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 really not wrong. History three out of every four years, the stock market's up. Bond like, market. Bond market's never lost money three years in a row. Yeah. We lost money two years in a row and made money last year. And it's very rare for it to lose money in election years. Almost never. Never lost money in the bond market after Fed stops hiking interest rates and begins to cut. That's my, it, I'm just going with the facts, but the facts make me bullish. Uh, that's yeah. Right. No, and, and I love it because you can, I can watch the network news um, and, and and these guys will make you think that, that we're going to all be, you know, the, the apocalypse is happening uh, <laughs> tomorrow. And then I'll listen to Phil and, and, and you remind me like, no, stay invested, stay invested, stay invested. I think it's important to hear those stories because when we, like, like I said, the longer you're invested, like statistically, like if I go to the casino, the longer I play statistically, the house is going to win. I'm going to lose the longer I play, right? The stock market, the longer, and I'm going to say play, but the longer you stay invested, I don't think the stock market's like gambling at all, but the longer you stay invested, the statistically, better your odds. the better your odds. Exactly. So Phil, I don't want to keep you from uh, Fox business. You got a lot of other people to go, uh, to go talk to, man. But uh, man, I always appreciate our time together. Thank you for, uh, you. For educating us here and talking to us about your your top uh, themes, y'all. If y'all like what you hear here, share it with um, share it with your friends. Let them listen, and we'll we'll put links to uh, 
Um, Phil's LinkedIn. If you want to learn a little bit more, I got a podcast out there. We're listening to. I do every week. So if they want to do one, their board, but yeah. I listen to you. If they want more stuff, they can listen to that. that that's always yeah. You talking about your weekly podcast? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Can you can hear about um, Phil's girls at, at at Georgia. That's that's why he loves Georgia. His skiing escapades and uh, and his uh, his attendance to Billy Joel. Exactly. Uh, listen, man. Which I can do Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Have Phil. a great twenty-four, everybody. Thank Take you, care, brother. Appreciate you. Bye. Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Osaic Wealth Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Osaic Wealth is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Osaic Wealth. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.